A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the MC Universe, where the Lorehounds, your guides to the multiverse and beyond. I'm David. I'm Jean. And I'm Alicia. And we're strapped into our time suits, ready to face the temporal loom to rip you out of the timeline before you disappear forever. We'll be recapping and breaking down the first episode of season two of Loki, sharing Easter eggs and our current theories about what exactly is going on. And then we're going to hear from some members of the Lorehounds community with more Easter eggs and insights. We'd also love to hear your thoughts about Loki as we discuss the rest of the season. Email your feedback to mcu at thelorehounds.com or head over to our website at thelorehounds.com and use a contact form or record us a voicemail. For ad-free versions of this and all of our podcasts, check us out at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. I'll share more about that as well uh, with some notes about our programming schedule for the upcoming month at the end of the podcast. Also, we'd be forever grateful if you could help us get more ears tuned into the Lorehounds MC Universe. All you need to do is drop us a five-star rating and review wherever you're listening. Apple Podcasts is especially helpful. Even if it's just a few quick words, we read all the reviews and they mean a lot to us. And before we get started, just a quick spoiler warning. We'll, of course, be spoiling all of Loki Season 1, but spoilers from the rest of the MCU and Marvel comics are also on the table, including the episode at hand, obviously. Finally, we want to congratulate the WGA for their strong final deal with the AMPTA. We hope to hear more about a similar deal for the sag After folks very soon. And we're supportive of all the other creative industries that are pulling together for um, advocating for fair wages and protections for their work. Jean, Alicia, welcome back to the MC Universe. Loki season two is here. 
We're excited to get going. Um, Alicia, you want to tee up a little bit on this episode? We're going to talk a little bit ahead of time. We've got some MCU news and some other stuff, and then we'll get into some hot takes before we get into the episode breakdown. But you want to clue us into this episode real quick? Sure. Yeah. So the spoiler-free setup is um, this episode title is Ouroboros. We'll talk in a bit more about what that means and how that applies to this episode specifically. Um, It was written by Eric Martin. And he's writing most of the season. Last season, he wrote episode four, The Nexus Event, which is the episode that opened with Sylvie's backstory and ended with Loki being sent to the void. Plus, he wrote part of last season's finale, For All Time, Always. This episode is directed by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. They are also, within the MCU, directed two episodes of Moon Knight. And uh, this season, they're directing all but two episodes, all but episodes two and three specifically of this season. Uh, and they're best known before this for their horror movies. Their indie horror movies often have like time trippy themes, the endless and the yeah, associated movies. I like this idea that they have, uh, I, I mean, they're showrunners, right? And they're directing. I don't know. It well, feels they're a directing. Bit... They're not showrunning. Yeah. Okay. They're not showrunning. Got it. But I, I like the idea that there's a little bit tighter creative in- vision. I mean, I think we saw in Secret Invasion that, <laughs> I don't know, when when you chop and change too much, it's it's messy. So I don't know. I, I, mm-hmm. I feel good about this idea of who they're bringing in. I don't know these guys, but they sound like this is their jam. I don't know. Jean, do you know any of their stuff? I don't, but you know, let's. Keep the show that shall not be named far away <laughs> <It's true. laughs> from, from where we're at right now. Fair enough. Yeah, but they hired such a good showrunner for that too. But then they did. initially, they did. yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're a little later this week in our release schedule for this podcast. So apologies if you've been waiting for this and you know we haven't got it out to you just yet. We just had real life things going on and getting all three of our schedules to line up is not always easy. So going forward, we should be hitting regular schedules, usually around Monday, hopefully to have the episodes out if we're able to record on the weekends. So speaking of delays, we've got some more news, lots of news in the MCU world. Alicia, what, uh, Alicia and John, what is going on with our, our MCU scheduling? Yes, we have the Marvels yep. coming out in November. Okay. I believe we have What If Season 2 coming out on Christmas. Okay. Yeah, there we go. That should be lots of fun. We have Echo coming in in January of 24. Wait, so they pushed uh, Echo? Yes. I thought it was going to be at the end, uh, like the end of November or something. I thought it was going to binge this year. Uh, Unfortunately, no. Okay. Well, Alicia, (laughs) did you have any inside intel about that? Basically, this whole list is full of things that have been pushed um, for various reasons. You know, obviously, there's still the backlog from the pandemic, the VFX overload, the more tepid reception to Marvel properties recently, and now, of course, the strikes and everything else. And I think they're just going to be spacing things out a lot more. We see a lot of things in this list are released specifically beginning of the year or September. Mm Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's going to become a new release pattern for them that they're going for, um, but everything's been pushed back. Okay. Jean, what else do we got? So we left off. We have, now we have X-Men 97, hopefully still coming in in sometime in 24, early 24. Okay. Hawkness, which a lot of us are waiting on, (laughs) unfortunately has been pushed back to, I guess it's, what is it now? 
like September 2024. Yeah. I mean, it looks like it's going to be, it makes me, you know, we talked about Halloween, the specials, and it looks like they're lining that up to be the Halloween thing. Um, now we know they did film a special at the same time. So maybe that's going to be released the next year. Right. We have Madam Webb potentially in February of 24. I'm going to include Deadpool oh, uh, yeah. because this is, you know, it's probably going to play an important part in what comes up in the MCU. So Deadpool 3 in May of 24. It's the only thing they moved forward. <laughs> yeah, yeah, interestingly enough. There's also supposed to be a Captain America, the movie, and I believe in June 24. We have Daredevil pushed back all the way to 25. Wow, that's the new replacement, yeah. Daredevil? Yeah, the yeah, that's new the new, the new reboot. Wow, 25. Wow, that's a real, yeah. that's a strong push. And also Ironheart has been pushed back all the way to September 25. Wow. Yeah, and that, um, finished, that finished filming like in what, 2022 20, or something? Anyway. Yeah, I said we were, we were hoping for like the beginning of this year for that. Right. Um, and it fell through. They also, we also got an announcement that Sasha Baron Cohen is actually going to be Mestifo in this universe, which is exciting. Yeah, and that's pretty much where we're at. Okay. So basically just spreading things out post-strike. Probably they need to do some marketing and they want to have actors on board for that because that's how you you can generate some more stuff. Yeah, I, and anything in the DC world that we need to, I mean, we got Aquaman in December, right? Well, I that's mean, the... Yeah, yeah, the last, the last, <laughs> last gasp, you know, because James Gunn has basically said like this film doesn't even matter, but here you go. Yeah, anyway. it's so <laughs> weird. It. It, it's so weird. I am not um, thrilled so far with what I've heard from James Gunn. Um, I'm excited, but it's just you know <sighs> the last whimper of the old DCU. Yeah, you know, yeah, but I'm excited I'm just... to like okay, let's reboot this time for real. Yeah, they had a, a prime opportunity to do so in this terrible Flash movie that just happened, and they didn't um, for whatever reason. Yeah, so Aquaman is coming, I think Christmas, no, of this year. Yeah, so yeah, it was, it'll yeah, be a Christmas sometime a in Christmas December. Movie. I saw. Yeah, and um, after that, the Gunverse starts. So okay, let's see what happens. Fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed for that. Speaking of studio stuff, inside baseball things and all that kind of stuff, plug for one of our podcasting colleagues over on, uh, on another uh, network, the Ringer Network, Joanna Robinson, who you might know from House of R. They do a lot of deep dive podcasts, a lot of really great, interesting stuff. She co-authored a book with uh, Dave Gonzalez and Gavin Edwards called MCU, The Reign of Marvel Studios. So it's an inside look at what's been going on with inside MCU and how th how the sausage gets made. I think she's doing some press interview stuff these days. I know she's going to be on the, the watch podcast, which is also a ringer title. And I believe they're doing some live in-person events. So if you're near one of those, definitely check those out. But are either you guys going to be um, picking up this book? You think uh, it's, it looks interesting and, and it sounds like it's gotten some good reviews and it's well-written. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely, I'm interested in reading it. The reading list is long, so I don't know how soon it would be. But That's what I was about to say. But I am overall interested. Yeah, I think it's relevant for what we're, you know, what we're doing Absolutely. here, at least on this podcast. 
And so. she, I mean, she has fantastic contacts and gets really good information. So yeah, absolutely. And House of R and all the, just the Ringerverse folks, you know, there, there are a lot of different tastes and styles over there, but they certainly do lift the tide for all of us other uh, podcasts that don't have big Spotify money promoting us. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. House That's of R is definitely my favorite Ringerverse podcast. Cool. Okay. Well, with all of that stuff out of the way, let's talk about our quick takes for the first episode of season two of Loki. Spoiler free at this stage before we will give you a big warning before we get into the episode breakdown. But just a reminder, when we get into the episode breakdown, all bets are off. All MCU stuff is on the table, comics, games, you know, what have you, uh, just be prepared. But anyway, Jean, what did you think of episode one, season two? Oh, it's so nice to sit mm-hmm. down and enjoy <laughs> an MCU show like I wanted to over the summer. Yeah, yeah. But unfortunately, I had to wait until the fall to get it. This was really, I really had fun watching it. It was really enjoyable. Um it, the characters, you know, I was so happy to see them back on screen. Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited to see where they take the story. They're doing things that I don't know. So that's really cool, a really cool place to be in. Right. And I'm I'm super excited. It, it, it left me wanting um, a whole lot more at the end of the post credit scene. So, yeah, I'm, I'm totally on board, totally on board so far. Cool. Alicia? Um, I said that the MCU needed this to be good, and uh, yes, it is. So far, at least. Uh, One-sixth of the way through. (laughs) (laughs) I feel the same thrill and excitement and curiosity that I felt at this point in season one. So it was really, it was so good to have the whole gang back together, especially my favorite ship, Locopius. And yeah, OB's already an iconic addition. I love that. Yeah. So we have Mobius. He's his name's like the Mobius strip that wraps back around. So it has like an infinite edge. And then now we have Ouroboros. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Hadn't yeah. even thought we, about that, right? Like, <laughs> duh. <laughs> yeah. Now we have Ouroboros, which is that uh, ancient Egyptian Greek um, symbol of the snake eating its own tail, which is also like a symbol of infinity and time wrapping back around on itself. So, okay. I'm very curious. Obviously, this is applicable to the plot, um, but I'm also curious what that might mean for the character. It's funny because we just uh, wrapped on season two of Wheel of Time. And, mm-hmm. you know, there, you know, we're talking about a, a wheel and reincarnation, which is specifically part of the lore and setup of yeah. that world. But you can definitely look at an Ouroboros as well as part of the iconography of that show. Yeah, it's in the sh- in the books. That's what the Isodai ring looks like. It's there's no stone in it. It's just mm. an Ouroboros ring. Oh, okay. very cool. All right. So I, I love it when all of our shows are talking to each other, directly yeah. or indirectly, intentionally or not. Yeah, it makes for fun uh, cross connection stuff. What did you think, David? Yeah, I was also very happy to see something that I could be very easily entertained by. And it wasn't a lot of work to watch it. I've heard some other podcasters and other folks talking about the show and being worried about the techno babble and the timey wimey stuff. 
And for me, I would just, you know, put all that aside, trust in the, you know, give my trust to the showrunners to just say, take me on a trip, take me on a journey. Let's see where we go. I'm, I'm down for it. Visually incredible graphics and, and the whole TVA vibe looks so good. Um, the casting is, is awesome. Winnie Masaku, um, Hiddleston, right. Owen Wilson, everybody's just great. I forget the name of, um, OB's character, the actor. Um, he's just been recently. Yes. And he's just, uh, it's great to see him. So just, you know, everywhere for us right now. And he's such a fun, light actor. He brings a lot of energy and, and just breeziness to his role. So I, I really enjoyed it. So I had a good time. Uh, I was entertained. That's what I will say about this show. And I, it makes me, I'm trying to come to it fresh without bringing all the baggage from other shows or uh, just the whole big genre, big property IP stuff. And I'm just trying to see, okay, what are these showrunners up to? Does it connect to the rest of the MCU? Whatnot? I don't care. You know, uh, entertain me. Give me, give me something I can, I can sink, eh, not even sink my teeth into. Something that I can just kick back and enjoy watching. And and so far, season one, that's what I feel I, I got. I think um, when you said it's a trip, I think that's a great way for folks to kind of look at this. Okay, it, it's a trip in many different ways. <laughs> it can be a trip for you. It's a journey, and visually, like you said, is it's astounding. And you can think of it in that way as a trip as well. So yeah, I think this that's a great choice of, of, of a phrase that we should just view this as a trip and, and take it for what it is. Yeah, and it feels good to have an MCU show that's landing solid. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> you know, nice to feel that from this, just the struggle that we've been having with MCU properties and the inconsistencies that we're getting across shows and stuff. So. Nobody's got nothing else. Nah, let's go. I want to <laughs> yeah, get into I'm ready, it. I'm ready to talk the details. The, the meat and the bones. Let's okay, let's do let's do it. Okay, so the premiere picks up seconds after the finale with Loki, Tom Hiddleston, running from his friends Mobius, Owen Wilson, and Hunter B-15, Wunmi Musaku, who don't know who he is and are trying to prune him. This is the past, and they haven't met him yet. And it's implied that virtually all TVA employees have had their memories wiped between this earlier point on the timeline and the timeline we saw for most of season one. In this past point, we see a statue dominating TVA city. It's Kang. Not he who remains, but specifically Kang, because he has that collar matching the suit we saw him wear in Quantumania. Jean, what are your thoughts and expectations? Do you think this is the same person as, do you think he who remains is, is Kang or a variant? I think it's the variant. I, yeah. I'm, hope, I'm, I'm hoping it's the variant. Yeah, I, I think it's exactly that, hopefully, because I enjoyed that variant that we saw in Quantumania very much. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm hoping that it's him because, you know, he's a next level type of villain. So, yeah, immediately I thought, OK, this is the guy that we've already met. And now we're going to meet him in some sort of new uh, incarnation in this show. Okay. Yeah. And I just wanted to shout out a piece of production design that um, I noticed was that the entire episode kind of had a grainy retro, like tan filter look to it. 
But then anytime they're out in the hallway, it just grows brighter and brighter anytime they're exposed to like the quote unquote outside area as which I realized was because the timelines are casting all this bright energy throughout the rest of the TVA. So you think that's specifically a, a visual language that they're creating for the show to sort of clue us in to other shows have done this uh, foundation did it with a kind of wobbly edge. I think mm. uh, Westworld did it with an aspect ratio change. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure there's other examples, but is well, are, is that what you're thinking? But, no, but we here? saw it. We saw it happening at all points on the timeline at the same time as Loki was slipping forward and back. Right. Uh-huh. So I think it's another it's another proof, which you know we'll talk about as the episode goes on. That you know there's some questions about how does time work in the TVA, and I think that this is a okay. clue. Got it. I thought it was interesting on a side note and something that we kind of have to not avoid, but also not go deep into, which is the Jonathan Majors question. Right. And we talked about this a bit on, on the last podcast. I thought it was doubly interesting when the little mail delivery truck hits the cheek of the statue. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, the statue starts to crumble. So that's partly he who remains, you know, uh, Kang stuff. But it also struck me in the real world as, ooh, you know, here we have an iconic figure literally, you mm-hmm. know, crumbling before us. We don't know. There's a lot of details that are unknown. This is kept. Uh, I haven't heard any news about what is going on with charges or accusations or who or what. It's it's all very yeah. quiet. Very and quiet. I don't know. Yeah. Very. And I don't know what that means because usually we have information and innuendo and conversation about it and, and bits and pieces of news. And it, to, I haven't, I've heard nothing. But anyway, it just struck me both simultaneously as the big bad in the show and then the real actor person actually crumbling a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. with an, you know, posted following an impact of something, it starts to fall apart. Right. Yeah. And I, I, that's why I, I think I chose the word incarnation of Kang. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, because it could mean I used it for that reason as well. Right, because okay. uh, we don't know what the future is for the actor who plays him. Right. So, mm-hmm. do they change that within this show? Do they give us a hint that something is going to be different going forward? Um, because I've heard no news about breaking away from using Kang no. as a major piece right. in the upcoming MC universe. Although that so, could be um, why they're stretching out release dates of things. It could be. It could be. So. We'll we'll see, but um, put our best foot forward and, and see yeah. what they do. With- yeah, I mean, yeah, I have very mixed feelings um, watching him because, you know, I've always thought that he's just so talented and just like eats up the screen when he's on it. And now I, I can't take out of my head the various things that exactly. I've heard people say. So I guess it's good that he's at least playing a villain I'm supposed to have complicated feelings about. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> right? It's like, oh. Well, all right. So back in the TVA, uh, in the past, we see Casey, uh, played by Eugene Cordero, who last season didn't know what a fish was, but knew he didn't want to be turned into one. Uh, he's <laughs> polishing the floor of the control room, and he's listening to a calming meditation, which I hope helps him when he witnesses the accidental death of the escape truck driver that Loki jumped into. And an overhead monitor ball slams into the freshly polished floor, 
forming a new crack that didn't exist on our present timeline when we saw this room previously. So does that mean the present day season two plotline is on a branch timeline from season one, or that a single timeline can be changed? Don't yet know, but we get another hint later. What do you think, David? Is your head hurting yet? I think this is where I fell into the back of this delivery truck and just, <laughs> I'm on a ride. You know, I, I'm not going to try. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to approach. I've heard various explanations for this. Some people use hard and soft. Other people talk about easy, hard kind They're of quality pretty hard show. here. Yeah. I'm yeah. taking this science. show is soft. Yeah. I'm okay. going to just enjoy the entertainment value and mm-hmm. ride and mm-hmm. go for the ride, even though I don't know how many videos are flooding my YouTube stream of the Easter egg breakdowns and what does all this stuff mean? And did you notice in the blah, blah, blah? I'm like, cool. You know, they put a crack on the floor. That's probably going to tell me something about to remind me which timeline I'm supposed to be in and all that kind of stuff. You know, but it changed. Um, It changed for the whole timeline. So that's right. And it was just fun to see Casey again and just to... To get it was it was good setup. It was a felt like it was efficient storytelling. They packed a bunch of stuff in and they set some stakes and got energy into the characters and into the story, so that we're really starting to build some momentum here. And I love the fact that we didn't start somewhere else. We basically picked up from the end of season yeah, one, almost yeah. instantly, right? No meandering. Yeah, boom, straight, straight into to it. the story. Yeah, you know, just straight to the story, and, it, and that was great. But to your question, I think it's a branch timeline. Okay, I think it's I think it's a different timeline. Okay, I I um I have a reason that will come up later of why I think they're telling us it's not. But well, yeah, we'll get to that when we get to Ouroboros. Okay. Well, this will be the fun of the show of the season, right? Is is uh, playing with these? You know, what is is this this or is this that? You know, right, so right. And if they do it well, cool. Right, a fun little puzzle for us to be entertained by. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, um, I'm very interested in quantum mechanics and uh, like just quantum theory, especially as it relates to the multiverse and and you know the trying to think of the real science behind time travel. So this theory is like brain candy for me. <laughs> this whole series, nice, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so just as uh, past Casey calls the cops on Loki, we see the first instance of Loki time slipping, this time back to the present day for season two, where non-narc Casey does recognize Loki and tells him that Mobius and B-15 are probably in Chrono Bay 3 before Loki time slips away again. Uh, Jean, does this time slipping effect look like the glitches from Into the Spider-Verse to you or different? A little bit, because Into the Spider-Verse, the... The glitches were all-encompassing, whereas here it's just focused on this individual, right? There's no no other visual aspects going on. There's nothing breaking down. Mm-hmm. It's just him breaking down. And it looked so very painful. Oh, my God, mm-hmm. yes. yes. Um, <laughs> the, Moby's and, reaction. <laughs> yeah, it would be my reaction, right? <laughs> it was my reaction because it looked so bad. But I guess... If you're being, you know, pulled through time physically, that has to be, it can't mm. be something smooth and, and, you know, you know, ice cream, like it has to be something that is rather hard on you physically to go through. So just the way he, his body twists and turns inside out almost, it, it's really jarring in a way that doesn't come through in the animation. Right. Uh, weird comp. I watched The Thing 
the other day, the John Carpenter, Kurt mm. Russell uh, movie. So uh, one of our affiliate podcasts, Properly Howard Movie Reviews, just did The Thing. They're doing a whole series of remakes. Anyway, they had The Thing as their last movie that they um, just reviewed. And I thought, oh, well, it's Spooktober and I've got, you know, all kinds of, you know, spooky Halloween themed movies that I'm trying to catch up on this month. And I was like, oh, what the hell? Let me throw in the thing. And the I won't get into too many details of it, but the monster in the thing, there are times where the way that Loki looks being sort of stretched like taffy is mm. exactly what parts of the monster look like in the thing. And so I was like, really like, whoa, this is this is weird visually. And and it seems like the first time we see Loki doing it, they do it very quickly. It's a very mm-hmm. quick effect. But later on, they extend it out a little bit more and they show us a little bit more of like it it's happening. Getting worse. It's getting yeah. worse. And it's also yeah. just a nice way to wet our appetites a little bit, you know, and not completely blow us away, but they're building something as opposed to shock hitting us with force 11 right out of the gate. They just turn the knob up to three or four, and then each time they turn the knob a little bit more. And that's, I think, just better storytelling, too. Did it remind you of the Spider-Verse, Alicia? I mean, yeah, but there's a key difference in that they're in the Spider-Verse, it's, you know, jumping between different universes. Uh, but then in Loki, it's like jumping forward and backward in time. Now, right. this is where I could go off the deep end and tell you that my personal theory is, you know, how time is consider the fourth dimension like you know we have the three space dimensions and time is considered like a fourth dimension that we move through even though we only move in one direction but theoretically what if we could move both like loki does and then i would imagine you know the space between the different universes being like another dimension like a fifth or sixth dimension so to speak that you move through that so it would be similar but then only moving through the fourth dimension instead of a higher one. Anyone who Man. follows, tell me what you think. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you come to the Lorehounds for is for deep dives into time That's space right. mechanics. But yeah, I, I just I think there's a few visual similarities they've given us recently between the Sony spider of our side and the MCU side that signify they're going to be stitching the mechanics of these two universes together. Of these two multiverses. Fingers crossed. The same multiverse. Yeah. Cool. Fingers crossed. Okay. So I think that's the end of the cold opening to the season. Yeah. Shall we take a break before we get into the uh, full episode? Yeah. That sounds like a good idea. Uh, So stick around. We'll be right back. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Okay, and we are back. 
Alicia, you want to pick us up and bring us into the present day? Question mark, question mark. Okay, so we got our Loki ticking opening, and then we get a worried Mobius and B-15 looking on as the timelines branch out of control on the monitor. Um, B-15 wants to tell people the truths that they've learned about the TVA, that all the agents are really variants. But Mobius thinks telling people every everything you've ever been doing is wrong and all your gods are dead won't go over well. Um, David, does he have a point? I think so. Uh, you know, at, at the one level of this being a timey-wimey, you know, chasing the MacGuffin through time kind of uh, show, there's also a really interesting component here, which is when you have institutions or centers of power those things will want to hold on to their power or their authority or their control because that's what they've been set up to do. And it takes a very specific effort to dissolve yourself of that. I I think there's even a thing in, in like the foundation world these days where certain foundations set up from the beginning, we will close after this period of time. There's um, one big one that I know of that, that closed recently, very big pot of money, they ran for uh, you know a good 20 years or something like that, but they had a specific thing. The guy was like, I want to bounce my last check when we go out. Mm-hmm. And it took a huge effort by all the, the people in the organization to keep that mission of saying, we're going to close because, yeah, good job, nice offices, good salaries. People want to keep that rolling. They don't want to let go of the work that they're doing. And so it's a, I think it's a very natural human tendency to, if you've established or created a space for something, so just going through the TVA, I mean, the TVA is massive when we look outside and we just see the horizon going off. Mm-hmm. That is a that is a earth shattering thing, earth shattering, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, a, a, a consciousness shattering thing to suddenly say, yeah, you know, it, it's all wrong, which is has nothing to say whether B-15 is right or not, you know, you know, she's she's making a valid point. But then how do you manage that? I I don't know. What do you think, Sean? Who, who's oh yeah, I, I totally on B fifteen side here. You yeah, tell the people the, the truth. The, the bureaucracy <laughs> of the TVA man down with the bureaucracy. You know, down with with all of the the lies and you know the half truths and the non truths and and having people you know believe one thing and they're in service of this one of this one particular thing when they're in service of something else totally different. Do away with all that crap. You know what I'm saying? I'm firmly on the side of B15. People need to know that you know they're variants. Sure. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. that they had they had different lives, and and those lives were lost to be under whim of a person who is evil, basically. So you got to deal with with the reality that you've been following somebody who has the utmost regard for himself only and has done terrible things in that end. And you have been part of that unknowingly you, you, but you have to deal with it. You have to come to, to some sort of, of what's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. You, you just have to understand that, Hey, uh, yeah, what I've been that. told is a bunch of lies yeah. and I've acted and done some really bad things because of those lies. But you do have to, um, you do have to also prepare for the reactions that there's going to be panic oh, yeah. at the bottom and absolutely clenching further control at the top. You know, tighter oh, yeah. control at the top. 
But that's the thing. It's like you can use the argument that, you know, we, we mustn't panic the people. That's that's a very slippery slope. Very slippery so. slope. Right. Very right. slippery slope. So I'm I'm all for the panic. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm all for the panic. The riots will die you know, down I, I think, and then we can move forward. <laughs> I think we you know, if, if more people panicked at the at the right times for the right things, and this to me is the right time and uh the mm-hmm. right thing to be panicked over, then yeah, we should we should all get panicked. I think, uh, Alicia, you're going to need to bring in Jean from time to time on the Wool Shift Dust podcast when you <laughs> when season two of the show comes back because that is that's a show ultimately about yes. you know truth yes. and about yeah. truth and, and, and society and you know society's integrity yeah. at the same time of. Yo, you can't be lying yeah. to people. <laughs> right. Sean, Stephanie, right. Team Juliet. There's like, tell the people the truth. Put it, <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, no, yes. It's a season two shift. Uh, oh, sorry, season two wool spoiler. But yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm 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 firmly on on Juliet's side here. Nice. Yeah. You know, so yeah, that's that's where I'm at with it. Let's go B15. Yeah. You know, tell the people what they need to hear. Yeah. Are you down with the having Winnie be that voice? Is that a? I mean, black women have have led. Protest movements, you know, since protest movements have been around, right? Right, right. You know, at, at least in our Western culture. So, yeah, yeah. definitely. You know, I, I feel in the sense of this show, it makes sense because she's a agent, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And she and got the wool pulled done, from her eyes, yeah. Exactly. And she's done terrible things, and she's coming to realize that. Right. And trying to then go... Right. We got to, what do we need to do to stop the harm and yes. to move forward and move while forward. not harming, doing more harm, right? Exactly. Exactly. And this is coming from someone, it's not coming from a low level pencil pusher. It's coming from someone who's pruning people. Right. It's not Casey. Uh, she She's out there with the stick. Yeah. Directing yeah. the troops. Yeah. She's done horrible things. And- Coming from her, it has real weight to it because right. of the role that she's played in the TVA. Right. She can tell she can tell the other hunters, I really am one of you. I understand exactly. what you're going through. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, between power surges, Casey tells Mobius and B-15 about the time slipping that Loki's doing. And uh, Loki's about to show back up to give Casey another heart-stopping demonstration. But worth noting, Mobius's device to contact Miss Minutes isn't working right now. So we don't see her all episode, and I have questions, obviously. Uh, But we do meet a new character for this season, Hunter X5, played by Raphael Cassell. And we know that he's also going to be playing the actor Brad Wolf, a.k.a. the Zaniac, um, who we saw in the trailers. So first introduction, he's making fun of Mobius's jet ski magazine, and I already hate him. What do you guys think? (laughs) What do you think of X5? (laughs) X5 is... The problem, right? <laughs> X5 is the problem. Like, the guy is, when I think of the problem with the TVA, it's X5. Right. This guy has got to go. Like, that was my first instinct. I was like, yo, they got to get rid of this guy. Right, somebody get the stick. <laughs> you know, I'm not in favor of pruning, but hey, we kind of got to get rid of this guy. You know, I'll be, yeah. Does he have X five on his gloves? I did. I never noticed yeah. um, glove markings on any other uh, of the hunters or anything like that. 
Yeah, no, he has that. And then also he does his pose where he like grabs yeah. his chest plate. And when you, he does that, you can see that there's a scar going across his arms and his chest plate to the other arm. So it was like he was posing like that and something slashed him. And I hope we get to see that. Right. Yeah, that's an interesting Easter egg. I, hadn't, I didn't notice that uh, he had that slash across him like that. But he's come down to deliver a message from the new Judges Council, which has convened to replace the missing Renslayer, Gugu Mbathura, who we didn't get to see this episode. We hear her voice briefly later. And so the new council is General Docs, uh, Katie Dickinson, or sorry, Katie Dickey, a.k.a. Lisa Aaron or Lisa Aaron of uh, Game of Thrones. And Judge Gamble, played by Liz Carr, who we last saw in the Angels Council in Good Omen Season 2. And uh, there's also a third unnamed man who's, like, sleeping or vegetative or I don't know what you guys think is going on with uh, Judge Number 3. There's a story for Judge Number 3, I'm sure. But Judge Number 3 is so reminiscent of the bureaucracies that exist in our world. Here's this, they're, they're convening a council to, to try to get to the bottom of what's going on, to try to move forward, to try to, you know, get everybody on the same page. And the guy is just sleeping. He's just <laughs> knocked out. If that doesn't speak to, you know, how people view, you know, our systems, then I don't know what can, because that, that was yeah. a great little twist for me. And do you, do you still think it's possible that uh, Katie Dickey, she's playing General Docs, but is it possible she's an older Sylvie, Sylvie variant? I don't know. I don't know. I, I She seems awfully obsessed with her. I don't know if that means she, anything. I know, but it just, I thought originally when I read the question, I'm just like, I thought that she was obsessed because she's been chasing Sylvie for so long as most of the TVA has, right? Like she's been the one person that they couldn't get. So maybe there's an obsession with catching Sylvie. As we see later on in the episode when, I I guess we'll get to it. But yeah, it it seems like there's an obsession with catching Sylvie. I don't know if Mm -hmm. if they're the same person or if it's just like, okay, this is the one that got away and I can't let her get away with getting away. Right. And uh, David, what do you think her relationship is with X5? They seem <clears throat> close in the way that her character, Lisa Aaron of Game of Thrones, was with Robin. And also, uh, you, you also watch um, Only Murders, right? Oh. In the most recent season, there was, yeah, yeah. There was another <laughs> father, uh, mother-son oh, relationship. Oh, I didn't even there. see that. I don't know. Are they mother-son? What's going on with her in X5? That's definitely the vibe that I picked up without you know thinking too closely about it and just picking the vibe and seeing their interactions over the course, it felt very much like that. So I'm kind of just taking it at, at face value. Uh, it was creepy. It added a great creep factor for the general and for X5. You're like, oh, these people, not only is X5 kind of a, a blowhard, but he's got uh, political connections higher right. up, right? right? And so he can flex a little bit more than he he might not otherwise. Right. And then, yeah, and then having the general be kind of creepy that way as well. It, it, it's a great setup, and I'm, I'm interested to see where they take it. I mean, this doesn't strike me as a world where there are many families because people are just kind of True. pruned as adults and made, you know, TVA Maybe they're found family? Their whole life. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I loved the B-15's reaction to that. Yeah, she the was just, canoodle. like, disgusted. I <laughs> <laughs> don't blame her. Point out the um, when you know when Loki goes over to the reel to reel tape and there's they've got the screen and everything and just all of the set decoration stuff so far, it's just gorgeous. Uh, whoever yeah. Kasra Farahani is the uh, head production designer. Well, props to them and props to their teams because whoever's doing set deck and props and you know property procurement is killing it with this stuff that reel to reel looked pristine and i'm not an audiophile in that degree but i wanted that <laughs> i just wanted that on my right. wall cuz it's so beautiful looking so yeah i kind of would love to live in the tva decor in tva wise, land <laughs> oh my god just just what in terms we- of decor Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I don't know Liz Carr uh, as an actress, and I guess she's a comedian as well. And so she's playing one of the, the judges here. Yeah, we last saw her. It was funny because she was on uh, Good Omen season two, and she played like a very similar role where she was like on the panel of angels that time. Okay. And yeah, she's an actress who's fairly prolific. I think I heard um, Jessica Clemens in her recap of the Loki episode. I think she said that she was also in the most recent season of The Witcher, maybe. I, I haven't watched okay. it yet, so I'm not sure. But yeah, she's a prolific actress. She's a disability advocate, wheelchair user herself. I just, yeah, it's nice to see she that she's just popping up in, in more and more things. You know, she brings like a fun gravitas to this sort of role. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Yeah, I'm interested uh, to see what comes of it more. Yeah, we she seems to be more on our hero's side than mm-hmm. you know. Um, I have my eye on General Docs, but Judge Graham, Judge Gamble, sorry, seems to uh, maybe be an ally. Maybe another ally is we get a chagrined Hunter D90 played by Neil Elise, and he apologizes to Mobius for pruning him last season. And Mobius says he only blames Renslayer and uh, before Mobius and B-15 enter the war room to talk to the judges' council, um, where they're listening to a recording of Loki from last season preaching the truth of the TVA. And this recording also reminds us that Sylvie has the ability to unlock past memories with her enchantment skills. So I expect that to come up again this season. The judges' council, though, they're not happy with our hero's crew of shenanigans, and they're not really interested in their explanations. Uh, the robot head of one uh, of yeah one they once thought was one of the timekeepers is on the table, and they're in total damage control mode. Meanwhile, a temporary, a temporally unstable Loki eventually makes it to the war room looking for his friends. He's just on the wrong timeline again, and he discovers that wall you mentioned. Uh, well, the first he discovers the wall with the five golden faces of Kang, and then the wall uh, you mentioned with the recording, this time of Kang promising Renslayer to be the queen of his world. Now, we don't quite know if that happened in the past or the future or both. Is this the Wheel of Time? Um, but just uh, <laughs> just as on the present timeline, our friend Judge Gamble has seen the light and orders the end to pruning on the current timeline, Loki time slips back into the room with them, to reveal the Kang faces behind the modern timekeeper mural on the wall. And General Cox seems to blame everything on Sylvie. And yeah, indeed, as uh, Sean alluded to, we later see her leading an army to go looking for her. So yeah, what do you think Jack, uh, Dox's deal is, Sean? Yeah, I just, I just think she's really obsessed with Sylvie. Um, <laughs> you know, this is, 
And to your question again uh, as to whether they're one and the same, I, I just don't right now can't see it. I can't see that connection because they they are in damage control, right? And we know Sylvie can unlock, you know, past memories, and we know that General Docs probably doesn't want that to happen, right? Right for the broader TVA for all the folks who who have, you know, who are variants. Um, so she doesn't want that that the knowledge of of these you know past memories to to come to the people that are you know effectively running the TVA. So she seems to be very much the person who wants everything to remain as close to as close as possible to what it is right now. She doesn't want any deviation from what the plan mm-hmm. is. Um, we prune people. We keep the sacred timeline. That's our job. That's what we're going to do. And nothing else matters. That's the vibe that I get from, from General Docs. Yeah. Yeah. Very much um, somebody who can't see beyond their uniform outside of their mission to think right. you know, critically at, at the bigger picture of things. Except when it comes to Sylvie, which right. there is a right. definite right. obsession with Sylvie with General Docs. The reason are not clear to me yet. Right. No. And something with her son too. Maybe Sylvie gave him that scar. <laughs> maybe. 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 Yeah. I personal. should stop maybe calling him her son. We don't know. Maybe it's a boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. But I also have to give credit to the composer, Natalie Holt, for the tension she creates during the sequences with the soundtrack. Yeah. Really great. It's a really standout soundtrack. Really great. Really, really good soundtrack here. And then, yeah, then next up, we finally, uh, we're getting into Ouroboros territory. We get first, Loki catches up Mobius on uh, everything that happened in the season one finale after Loki, uh, sorry, after Mobius had already snapped back to the present. And uh, we see that in the current TVA, there are actually murals on the TVA walls explaining about the whole War of Kangs thing, which I guess Mobius and everyone else just thought was like weird corporate art. He's like, <laughs> oh, look at that. <laughs> um <laughs> And interestingly, someone is walking by in the background when they're having this conversation mm. and we hear them come to like a squeaky stop when Loki kind of half shouts like, he wiped your memories. And that person definitely like did a double take looking at them. A so, double take. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't know. Friend, foe, innocent bystander with a possible penchant for gossip. What do you think? It would be so dope if it was some gossipy co-worker. Yeah. <laughs> right, and then just uh, uncontrolled rumors spreading. Yeah, yeah. I, that would be so. That would be so awesome. Right. Um, but w- let's wait to see. I, I don't know, but I want it to be like a gossipy coworker. Yeah, the mural thing. I mean, how many walk around your average no, course, yeah. city that's been around any any particular length of time? There's statues and plaques and all kinds of stuff that we just are completely oblivious to. How did yep. it get there? What does it mean? Yep. You know, uh, who are these people? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But we finally get Mobius uh, finally gets a chance to see Loki time slip, which he says looks terrible. Um, and he wants to call Miss Minutes, but Loki says they can't trust her. So Mobius suggests they visit repairs and advancement after uh, and after they traumatize a poor young woman in an elevator. We finally get to meet the new star of the season, Kehu Kwan, as uh, Ouroboros, a.k.a. OB, a nickname given to him by Mobius. For now, though Obi's memories seem more intact <laughs> than his. Obi's been down here all by himself for centuries, playing the god of fixing things with a schedule as relentless as his optimism. What do you guys think <laughs> about our new Obi? 
Oh, he's think, great. David? Yeah, he's a breath of fresh air. It's really great to have somebody new in the story. One of the things that I like too about the Loki story is that they've hived off this own, their own little world within the MCU. Um, so they've got inspiration and they have connectivity, but within this, they've got a lot of latitude to play. And so to bring in a character like OB that doesn't break or affect a, a lot of stuff, it's just, uh, I think a lot of fun to have, you know, to see him play with some, some new. Yeah. Yeah. And why do you think he remembers more Jean? Do you think he's another variant or something else? I think he might be something else. You think he's supernatural in some way? Yeah, I think he, he might be something else. He He's just too adept at everything going on around him in ways that no one, we've seen no one other than he who remains. Mm-hmm. Be, and Miss Minutes, yeah. And Miss Minutes, B. And, that aware of the systems yeah. and yeah. structures? Yeah, yeah. And so I'm, do, I'm thinking he's something else. Do the like do Mobius and B fifteen and the rest do they sleep? Because apparently Ob doesn't. He doesn't sleep. <laughs> he doesn't sleep. And he he remembers how many hundreds of years he's been waiting for yeah. you know Mobius to come back and visit him. So yeah, there's a there's a mystery surrounding. Do you picture him with like here. a little calendar where he's ticking off the days since Mobius's <laughs> last visit? <laughs> I hope it's as benign as that. <laughs> I hope uh, it's as benign as he certainly. I mean, later on we'll get we'll get into it, but he certainly does have a very deep understanding of the mechanics of the TVA. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he wrote the handbook himself, right? The mechanics of time. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he knows yeah. a lot about the loom and all of this kind of stuff. Yeah, so. right. Yeah, and I have to give out a, another shout out to production designer uh, Kasra Farahani because this was like peak. This I can't imagine how much fun it must have been decorating that set that he was in. And there's very I don't know where the um, the scrim whatever they call them the backdrops uh, end uh, where there's CGI and where the practical is. Mm-hmm. So that that's great, right? There's there's no it's seamless, right? But I would assume at least his desk. That entire wraparound right. desk is all f- practical props. Everything from right. the gumball maker to the old computers. I even think I saw a popcorn machine there that we had as kids, you know, that blew right. hot air onto onto. And things. him being lowered from the ceiling. All of it is just uh, extraordinary. Uh, they had a lot of fun uh, shopping for the show. Well, Loki and Mobius have come to talk to him about time slipping, uh, which he's in first incredulous about. But then Loki time slips right in the middle of their conversation and he meets past Obi. And now Loki's the one who gave Obi his nickname, not Mobius. Um, and in the present, uh, yeah, Obi suddenly remembers his visit from Loki in the past and wonders why he didn't remember it before. Now, I'm reading this as within the same timeline, the past can immediately change the present future. So, yeah, a little note to the foundation writer's room. Um, This is what (laughs) quantum entanglement looks like. (laughs) So as one thing, because time is being treated as like a spatial dimension almost, um, it's the same type of quantum entanglement where these two different versions of Obi, the past and the present, um, they are linked together so that something that affects one immediately affects the other as well. I liked the way that they explained this mechanic and they didn't have to get into a lot of exposition. 
but they showed us really effectively with the world as we're understanding it now. And then they, and just the way that uh, OB was able to go, oh yeah, by the way, yeah. I do right. have this doodad gizmo. Right. Oh, his delivery, right. so good. Perfect. Right. It was really, really well done. When you can have a, a, a show, you know, a timey-wimey show, it gets tricky. How do you explain and and get the audience involved and enrolled and understanding enough? And I just felt like that was a really nice set of choices that they made for this. So kudos. Yeah, and, and Opie tells Mobius that to fix Loki's time slipping, they need the timey-wimey wobbly thing, the temporal oral extractor. And luckily, past OB is busy building one, so it's standing by when Loki slips back forward to the present. And now Mobius needs to get Loki to the temporal loom and launch the extractor into the time stream so that the extractor can pull Loki out of the time stream. But he shouldn't take too long about it, or the intense aging powers of the temporal energy will peel Mobius like a grape. Uh Sean, would you risk being peeled like a grape to save David from time slipping into oblivion? <laughs> you don't absolutely <laughs> absolutely absolutely thank you john <laughs> and and david I would you be, be able to violently me. rip yourself from every thread of time and space with the self pruning with the hope that the extractor will pull you back to the present hole maybe look if jean's willing to go uh exactly. go the, in the thing i'm i'm gonna do <laughs> what i need to do to to respect that choice <laughs> I love the Obi also says, have you heard about how if you fall into a black hole, you'll turn into spaghetti? And <laughs> like, okay, good. No, better not. But I have to think somewhere Reed Richards is thinking too soon, too soon. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic Four. I loved Multiverse of Madness and I will always have the image of Reed Richards as blue spaghetti in my Terrible. Head. Just terrible. Just terrible. <laughs> uh, so now operation extraction is a go. Obi looks scared for the first time when he hears that there have been power surges throughout the TVA. The branching timelines are overwhelming the temporal loom, the machine that refines raw time into physical timelines. And Obi's the only one here who's read the TVI guidebook. In fact, he wrote it himself. So he's a de facto leader, though he's never had to come down here before because Miss Minutes took care of everything. Mm-hmm. So Miss Minutes loomed over this episode despite not appearing. Do we have any more ideas on who or what she is and how she's related to OB? Isn't there a, a Renslayer theory uh, slinging around the internet that that Miss Minutes and Renslayer are somehow one in the or, same? Yeah, or or reprogrammed. One was reprogrammed in the other, or something like that. Hmm. Okay. I, I think. I mean, I'm I'm taking spaghetti from the internet here, and and I have yeah. no idea where I got that information. <laughs> it's just in my head. I don't, I, I rem- I'm remembering from a past life. <laughs> so uh, the thing is, to me, there ha- there has to be some sort of constants within the TVA that King has set up, right? Besides himself, mm-hmm. because he's off, you know, being Kang, and Kang is a person who's moving throughout time constantly, right? So he had to have set up some sort of constants within this. And I think Ms. Minutes and OB are those constants. What they represent to him is what needs to be fleshed out a little bit more. But they, those two entities seem to be what keeps everything humming. It's not the pruners. It's not the, you know, the agents. It's not right. the Casey's of the world. It's not Mobius. It's Miss Minutes and Obi. 
I think those are the constants that keep everything humming the way that Kang intends it to hum, which is why he says, like, right. it's almost as if he, Obi, has gaps in his memory, right? That's not allowing him to fully access everything that he can be, if that makes sense. I was pretty mm-hmm. surprised that OB knew as much and had solutions for and was able to build the thing, you know, just all of it. He seemed more competent for a guy who earlier says he doesn't know a lot or he hasn't been down here or whatever. Right, right. So there, he fit, uh, he fit very neatly into what they needed to do and understood exactly what, how, when, why, the little clock, all of it was all very convenient for OB to have all that information and all that skill and, and that ability to to construct the solution for them. Right. And it's like, you know, he needs a nudge, you know, to, to remember himself. Mm-hmm. To remember that I can actually, I know what I'm doing here. I know... I can do this. I know how to do this. I know how to do that. I know the inner workings of this. It's like he just needs a nudge to get him to remember himself almost. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think Ms. Minutes and Obi are the two constants that keep the TVA running. Right, right. As intended. Well, what if instead of one he who remains, you had hundreds of he who remains? well that's that's, again why you need do you need a constant (laughs) that's interesting you know because you you have king running around throughout time fighting fighting his multiversal wars trying to obtain absolute power over time and space can he really be counted on as the day-to-day you know manager of the tva Right, right. Is that something that even he wants to do? Like, I created this, now I have to stay here and, and make sure it goes according to plan. Does he even want to do that? Right. So you think Ms. Minutes is maybe a quasi, um, quasi-AI quasi type individual who is there to just keep the clock ticking? I don't know if AI, I, I, I don't know what exactly they are, but I just feel like their purpose is to make sure that everything is running. Okay. Okay. Cool. All right. You got some internet points down there now. So <laughs> we'll see if you win some cereal at the end of this. Get some cereal like Frosted Flakes. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, Operation uh, Extract Loki, Extract Loki um, Don't Peel Mobius goes into effect. And yeah, <laughs> B-15 tells OB that no, they can't prune the excess branches because genocide. So OB says, well, then they have to close the blast doors to protect the TVA until he can figure out how to fix the time loom so that it can handle all the new branching timelines. So only problem is Loki has to be time fixed before the doors close or they'll never be able to do it. So they have an hour to get both done and actually no wait, uh, a flying object hits the window, make that five minutes. (laughs) Um, But Loki time slips at the worst moment. And while Mobius faces the ravages of time in the most awkward time suit ever in the present, some duct tape doing the heavy lifting of keeping his face intact. Uh, Loki is jumping back to an unknown time where the TVA is also in a panic, evacuating everyone due to a TVA code 1124. So I'm going to be looking out for 1124. 
Loki's panicking too. He's looking for a pruning stick before the light on the device in his hand turns green so that he's not lost to time forever. And just as Loki fears all is lost, a phone rings and he walks toward it. He sees Sylvie, Sophia DiMartino, prying open elevator doors. And she says, there you are to him. Happy to see him. Just then someone, uh, it looks like a man in a suit, prunes him from behind just in the nick of time. And Loki comes flying back to the present jetting out of the time loom, sweeping Mobius in his terrible time suit with him back into the TVA just before the blast doors close. Our heroes are safe for now. Who do you guys think pruned Loki? And do you think that that was the past or the future? I have no idea. (laughs) I am completely in the dark about it. I don't know. And it is so weird for me to say that I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know who who it was um yeah yeah this is, I, this I have is a two tough guesses. one i think i think it could be mobius because he said that he was going to do it for loki or maybe i'm thinking even more locally even more likely it was loki himself because sylvie was obviously oh, looking for loki so it seems like loki was probably there with her because she's like oh there you are like they just separated interesting I like that theory. I like that theory that it's Loki who who prunes himself. Prune himself. Yeah. Makes and then sense. also the question is, who was calling on the phone, and was that on exactly. purpose to draw Loki toward it? Yeah, I, I'm 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 on for the ride. <laughs> so I'm not trying to figure this one out. We'll probably we're, we're tripping find out. over here. We are yeah. definitely tripping. I think <laughs> it's it'll be a good measure for the show too, for. MCU fans and non-fans alike that if this show is quote unquote a success, all of this, by the end of it, you will have felt the inevitability of all of these setups. Mm -hmm. And that I think is a good sensibility. If hardcore MCU fans are like, yeah, it made sense. And then non-fans are like either – no, it was. I completely was confused by it. Or no, yeah, I got it. That's that's a nice indication of of how good the writers did and putting this right. together. Yeah, I look forward to that coming back together. And um, yeah, we also we talked about uh, General Docs is calling down the full force of the TVA on the hunt for Sylvie. And we see it seems like sides are forming. So we've got B fifteen, and now we've got Pruner turned ally D ninety, and they're like super suspicious of what Docs is up to. But we, the Which audience, get. I was just going to say that that seems natural for for a you know an organization that suddenly had its core mission right. turned upside down that people are going to try to make sense of it and they're going to take sides that that seems a very a normal reaction right yeah we the audience though we get to find out immediately where Sylvie is because we get a mid credit scene woohoo right take that secret invasion <laughs> first <laughs> episode we- already delivering. Can we jump back really quick to the the time loom space? Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, kudos to again production for being able to create such a complex, a, a right. visual, visually complex space with practical and CGI effects seamlessly connected to each other. When Mobius is standing on the walkway and the time wind is blowing him and his suit is ripping apart, that was just. Great, because there's both practical and CGI there uh, that looked really, really good. So just it was such a joy to watch the show uh, and for them to pull off all of this stuff. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they nailed it. And yeah, I, I'm really excited to see now we're going to start time traveling outside the TVA more. Um, right. And that's also yeah. always so much fun, the way they recreate these different periods. The first one is the year I was born, 1982. And we find uh, Sylvie in a McDonald's, which we obviously knew was coming from the teasers. Uh, and it's interestingly, it's in Broxton, Oklahoma, which is the location of New Asgard in the comics. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So what did you what did you guys think of yeah, Sylvie's? She's ready to like gorge on everything McDonald's has to offer. What are you hoping to see from her in this timeline, Joe? I hope she enjoys a few Big Macs before she realizes <laughs> they're not for her, um, like most of us have done. <laughs> uh, get a couple of Happy Meals and you know, and say, "Yeah, I, I've had it," and yeah, no thanks. But yeah, I, 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 I'm interested in the Broxton, Oklahoma thing because, like you said, it is uh, a part of Thor's, you know, recent comic run. So when at the end of Ragnarok and in the comic books, Asgard has fallen. They need a place to stay, and Asgard goes to Broxton, Oklahoma, of all places in the world. Yeah. Um, so, so you have. See, is better off yeah. in Norway. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, so it'll be interesting because uh, I'm not expecting to see any Asgardians, you know, roaming around Broxton, Oklahoma, in 1982. But it was a cool shout out to to that series of comic books that that dropped maybe like 20 years ago. I'm. Hoping to see Sylvie find some semblance of, of happiness for a moment, if only for a moment. You know what I mean? She seems to have had a, a very difficult time of it, <laughs> to say the least. And if she can find some sort of normalcy, some sort of, you know, pause where she doesn't have to, you know, think about running for her life every, you know, 60 seconds, right. I think it'll be really cool for her to have that moment before she gets thrown back into the business of the TVA and pruning and all of that stuff. So hopefully she gets to enjoy a little bit of a respite in Broxton. Yeah. And, and it's fun. I don't know that I doubt we'll see like as guardians, as you say, but um, there do seem to be some fun Easter eggs in the credits that we see the closing credits, like, yeah. Something that looks like maybe a sling ring, which I would love to see some wizards show up in this, <laughs> some sorcerers. <laughs> and we also, I, I just noticed that over and over in the credits, uh, they keep showing us the TVA uh, logo, but whenever it twists upside down, which happens a lot in the credits and they zoom in on it, it looks so much like Val. And mm. I'm trying not to read too much into that, but I don't know. Do you think? Do you think we might get any surprise appearances that we hoped for in secret invasion but i here instead i think there's a chance i forgot who who spotted it but there is uh in moon Knight. oh right the uh, jacket to, oh no to the to the podcast so there's a podcast and in, in that that Moon Knight's character, Stephen Stephen Grant, his name was mm -hmm. escaping me for a minute. He was listening to because he was afraid of falling asleep. Okay. So he would listen to this podcast, and Casey happens to be listening to the same podcast. Oh, interesting. I wonder if that was um, I can't remember what episode Moon in Moon Knight he was listening to that podcast in, but I wonder if it was the episode that was directed by you know. The same directors as this oh, episode. That's that's a good. We should go down that rabbit hole and find out. Um, definitely for the, for our next, we'll, we'll find out. But yeah, so 
I, I think that we might see some sort of, some characters, some interconnectedness to the broader MCU um, disco round right. than we saw in the show that I don't want to talk about that we watched over the summer. <laughs> maybe just the entire MCU is like, we don't want to show up there unless we're already confused. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> so there were, there were some cool, that was a cool nod again to show that interconnectedness. And someone else pointed out that the, the, the room to the time loom, uh-huh. if you look at it, it's, it's like a big X. Okay. Mm. Like Ooh. that's the that's the. Wouldn't time powers cause mutations? <laughs> exactly. Right. That's like the big. You know, Professor X is going to use Cerebro. Cerebro is this big helmet that Professor X of the X Men uses to um, find other mutants out in the world. That X, the door. To that room looks very much like the door to the temporal room. Yeah, it might be something. It yeah. might be nothing. Well, so but you that brought was up an Moon Knight. Catch. You brought up Moon Knight. Another interesting um, Easter egg in Moon Knight is that at one point, like when they were fighting, there was—I can't remember what episode that was now—but they were fighting on the cliff with, um, and they end up killing this young kid, unfortunately. And the kid was wearing yeah. a jacket that yeah. had Rama Tut's, um from the comics, like straight, straight out right. the comics on the back. That's right. Of it. That's right. And this You're version of right. Kang that we saw the statue of, I mean, it, it was is directly, yeah, it was, it looked directly like um, his collar from the quantum mania, but it also looked right. very Egyptian. Because Kang right. in, in Egypt's past is Ramata. Right. Right. Which is probably why his color looks like that. Exactly. And yeah. So yeah, yeah. What do you what is what do you think, David? Is uh, all of this going in one year out the other, or is this any of this sound <laughs> potentially exciting to you? <laughs> you? Again, it's going to be in the measure of does it as the mid level casual fan does this all make sense at the end? Great, you know. And I otherwise I can just let it all fly by. And if it if it connects, then I, and again we've talked about this as the MCU in the subgenre that is the MCU. That's what we come to the MCU expecting is the interconnectivity. And if they can pull it off without it feeling forced, then then awesome. Otherwise, I'm 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 just gonna go for the ride and and watch the occasional Easter egg uh video. Right. Right. <laughs> right. I mean that that ending credit sequence, which seems to be a big th- thing that's going on. We're getting a big shift to um, Ahsoka did this and a couple of other shows have done this. They've, they're putting their big credits at the end and then just doing a, a title card at the front. But anyway, this this ending credit sequence is gorgeous and I, I want to take it apart and I want to look at all of the the bits and the pieces and, and what, what's, you know, Easter eggs for the storyline. What clues are they giving us and what's just fun stuff to give us the vibe for the you know, for the show. Oh, by the way, weird side note, chicken McNuggets were released in 1981. Right. Ah. So that, that when the guy says you can try out our new chicken nuggets. Ah, okay. Okay. And I think I've, be, I mean that they've sourced, they got some photos that whoever did the, the research, the historical research that felt like a 1980s McDonald's straight wow. up the okay. signage right. and everything looked perfect. 
Yeah, I'm excited for her. And we know, obviously, they're going back to, um, I thought it was in 1910s because it's in the comics, but I think it might actually be like Tesla time where we see Victor oh, time. Right. Yeah, yeah, I think it's the 30s, oh. 20s, 30s. Yeah. 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 Um, what is and then, with and the, the McDonald's? 70s. Hmm? Yeah, I was just wondering what is with the McDonald's tie-in? Did, they, did, did the McDonald's just uh, uh, write a nice big fat check for the MCU? Yeah. or or Money, we're loving it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> clearly. But I haven't seen any extra McDonald's wraparound on it. Like the only thing that I've seen, I haven't seen any of the other big ads. I've only seen these in-show trailer placements. Yeah, that. It, they don't seem to have a campaign around it. No. Yeah. So not like they, I'm in a McDonald's that frequently either. Right. Oh, I thought. I mean, I thought that there was something about Loki with the sweet and sour sauce. Um, <laughs> I, really? I, I did, yeah, I didn't hear about that. <laughs> okay. I haven't seen the commercials either for for it. You know, so I haven't seen anything really. I thought that there were a few like different shows that McDonald's was teaming up with to like get them inserted in and advertise in that way. But I can't tell you what Mm. the other ones are off the top of my head. Anyway, I'm getting hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Just one last thing on on the Ouroboros. It Mm -hmm. also goes into death and rebirth, right? Which is interesting Mm. that they bring it up in, in this show. That's Loki because the Asgardian gods are about death and rebirth so in the comics they're constantly ragnarok the end of the gods and the rebirth of the gods is it's a constant theme in the comics so i'm interested to see if they play around with that in this season Mm -hmm. as well because as we know there is a loki that died you know in the avengers and this loki is the Loki that replaced that Loki, right, in our MCU. So it's really an interesting thing that I want to see if they really do play with the theme of Asgardian myth mm. about death and rebirth. And yeah, is it this line? This time is a loop. It's not. A, it, is it just going to restart everything? Will we be craving right. for it to just restart and reset right. to season one by the time this is all over? Like Asgard is gone already, you know, it's been destroyed. The Asgardian peoples are in Norway. So, you know, Odin is gone. So it's just a lot of questions that I have surrounding what, what this means for, for that, for this group of, of heroes that we've come to know, um, if this is going to play in any way, shape or form into their story going forward. Right. Cool. Okay. Well, um, I guess, that that brings the episode to a close. Shall we take a break and come back for the feedback? Sounds like a good plan. Let's do it. Okay, and we're back. All right, we've got some feedback to go through. So we've got uh, a couple of emails by Abby and something from Maryland. So uh, jumping in, Abby, who wrote this before uh, episode one debuted. Oh, and just a reminder, you can send feedback to mcu at thelorehounds.com. 
or you can hop over to our website and there we've got a contact form and a voicemail feature as well. We have our discord. So if you want to jump in there, we have a channel all set up just for Loki and, and folks are already chatting away about the show right there. So, um, but please do send us in. It's a lot more fun when we've got uh, good takes from the listeners. Abby writes, greetings, Lorehounds, Alicia, Jean, and David. John, even if absent from this feed, my name is Abby, faithful newish listener to your amazing nerdy podcast. Very grateful to Alicia for the introduction by way of Silo. I'm looking forward to hearing your Loki 2 season thoughts. Your marker. I'm looking forward to hearing your Loki season 2 thoughts. I'm not well versed in the comic books, but my overall knowledge of these is sparse and very Loki oriented. I got into watching MCU because of a film titled Thor. North Miss, you got my attention. Since I've been watching everything with Loki in it, become a so-called Hiddle stoner and tried to follow the rest of the MCU too. I like the TV shows all in all, some more than others. Uh, same with us, Abby. With with Loki us. season one, the clear winner of my heart, which it seems to be a pretty in fandom wide, like we've yeah. taken everybody, yeah. both hardcore fans and, and casual fans. Loki definitely rises to the top. Along um, with WandaVision. And yes. Uh, well, yeah. WandaVision's right in there too, but <laughs> yeah. it usually skews a little bit more Loki. to the, the hard, uh, hard MCU fans. Anyway, Abby continues, I did have a few nitpicks coming from a Northern mythological perspective, the Christianization of the lingo, the supposed as guardian gods use was a bit frown inducing, had some quibbles with the episode two interrogation, look back and interpretation. The part that makes the loss of Frigga Loki's fault seems to be the heroes, Thor, Jane, share an equal part in that, if not more. But according to him, series creator Michael Waldron didn't watch Dark World till after filming the series, nor WandaVision before writing uh, Dr. Strange in the Multiverse. Uh, thank you. Yeah. DS Mom. Is, yeah. <laughs> that's it. Okay, good. Uh, no wonder they needed the Hiddleston Loki lecture. Alicia, what did you uh, what did you take of um Abby's first part of her email here. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, you know, so Frigga is uh, Loki's mom. And, and I, yeah, I get her point that uh, why I, it was interesting. I was just listening to, I guess it was actually the House of R who were, we were discussing earlier that they were talking about, you know, doing a retrospective on Loki in general and talking about how in Ragnarok, especially, they kind of tried to take Loki down a peg to let Thor shine a little bit more. And I think maybe that also had something to do with, well, it's also, you know, he, he is a, he's a villain in a way, but also like, this is his mother, the person he arguably loved most in the world. Um, so it's, it's complicated and I'm not sure that I think they only focused on the show on his part in her death, just because it's looking at it from his perspective. But I don't right. think that that lets like Thor and Jane and the rest off the hook. No, I agree. I agree with that. And I, I don't I don't know if they if they diminished him in Ragnarok. I, I would quibble with that. No, I mean not no, diminished, with that, with but that made take. him look sillier. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't, but it was a sillier movie. It was yeah, just it a was. sillier. Yeah. It was. And and I think he looks sillier in the Avengers than he did in Ragnarok. Quite Yeah, often. okay, fair. When when yeah. Hulk smashed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Abby continues. Classic Loki was a delight until he said the line about how a female Loki sounds terrifying. 
Northern myth variant would roll his eyes. All Lokis having their minds blown to the existence of an alligator version. You're supposed to be a shapeshifter. Why is that weird? Those are good points, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the last episode could have worked as an opening to the new season. Not a fan of cliffhangers. All said, though, I like the new setting. And, and just a reminder, uh, they wrote this before um, the, seeing the first episode. So we'll see if they say anything additionally. I like the new setting, the timey-wimey stuff. And to me, the multiverse was understandable enough. And the character's journey of self-discovery and acceptance was great. I'm also on board with the romance. Done some fan art of them. Even illustrated a fanfic. Nice. So <laughs> Abby is going, going full on Loki here. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> Uh, excited about the new season. Loki still has so much more unexplored potential being complex, chaotic, and powerful in myths as well as the comics. Hoping we can experience a fraction of that on screen. Thanks for reading my lengthy tome. Looking forward to sharing thoughts with you guys in an episode by episode basis of the new season. Abby. All right, Abby. Thanks. That's great. I'm love to have engaged fans and sending us really good takes because there's a lot to cover on any given show and we're not always uh, able to pull everything in. So it's super helpful. Abby continues with a part two of her email after seeing the new episodes. Uh, Abby says, greetings, lorehounds. As per my last email, I'm continuing with jotting down my thoughts on the new season. Loved the first episode. It was nice that they picked up right where the season ended by answering the question of where rather than when Loki landed. Or rather when, sorry, apologies. Or rather when Loki landed. This show doesn't let you stew too much and answers the questions raised relatively quickly. And so last season's conclusion was the exception that broke the pattern as we needed to wait two years for the answer. Elisha, were you, were you down for, I think we talked a little bit about this, but did you enjoy that sort of, even though we were waiting in real time, the kinetic energy that carried from season one to season two? No, Abby and I definitely have different uh, feelings about cliffhangers. I enjoy a good cliffhanger as long as, okay. you know, I know I'm getting the answer, which I knew it was coming so I could wait. And we got, yeah, now it picked up right from there. And I love that. Yeah. Okay, cool. The time slipping looked awfully painful. And it is interesting to notice how the reality history gets changed by the actions of the slipping person. The crack in the floor wasn't there in the first season TVA and only got to be the accepted reality after the crash in the past. Yeah, Jean, I think that's what we're looking for too from this show is that the showrunners are going to have, that's all, all those details are going to be tight from episode to episode, season to season. And they're off to a good start. Uh, Abby continues, our new and already beloved character, Ouroboros, OB's introduction. See, that's the other thing, Jean, that, all right, OB, Ouroboros, like his character, his name, there's mm-hmm. there's more going on with him than I'm um, telling you, man. <laughs> Got to be more to him. Uh, Ob's introduction was excellent with great comedic moments. By the way, these TVA workers need to unionize. <laughs> they only get 17 minute breaks lunchtime. Not wrong. Lessons. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> 17 minutes. Poor Ob doesn't even sleep. Uh, do they even get paid? Casey must have gotten a promotion over the years from janitorial to office worker. He looked so confused and bewildered. Love Casey. And yeah, 17 minutes is not a lot of time. Not a lot of time, man. Not a lot of time. And that's great. The the set decoration, like we were talking, uh, Alicia, was it's just really consistent. All the little posters, all the little signages. There's a real attention to detail here. They really care about their sets. Oh, yeah. Easter egg uh, goldmine. 
Yeah, the PGA sure. is outside of time. So did, do they actually need 17 minutes? But is it outside of time? Because I think they're discovering that that was a lie. And that oh. it actually is on its own timeline. It's on its own timeline. There you go. All right. The whole extraction from the time loop was exciting. But if it was meant to result in a Loki who remains, maybe not so effective. We've been bombarded with trailer after trailer showing the same time slippage happening that wasn't in the first episode. Maybe the next ones will not be involuntary. Is it how Loki manages to prune his self from behind? There you go. There you there's go. Your, yeah. There's your theory. If uh, it was him, I'm convinced. Uh, okay. So Abby's in uh, in hundred percent on that as well. Wouldn't two Lokis of the same timeline being in the same temporal space at the same time, create an incongruity or, uh, I read too much time travel sci-fi and am overthinking. <laughs> no, I mean, I think I think this is exactly what you should be thinking about. I think that the writers are definitely thinking about this. Perfect. Besides the gripping, well-paced storyline, the production design and music were excellent. 100% agreed. And I managed not to gush about the acting as that would take another, <laughs> another page. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Your faithful listener, Abby. Abby, thanks so much for writing in. Thank for, you. Yeah. For that. And I have I have uh, news about Abby, actually. Oh, you do? Uh, Ab- okay. Abby is going to be stepping in uh, to help me cover the Hugh Howie books in the book club from now on. Oh, look at that. Yeah. So we're going to be starting with uh, Beacon 23. We're going to talk about that book because the show is going to start in November. And then we're going to be picking back up the rest of the silo series as planned. So are, are you connected to Abby in a different timeline? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on this one now. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Very cool. That's very cool. Yeah. No, uh, Abby was um, uh, very, was involved with uh, the silo and we've become uh, friends through talking about th- that. And I know Abby went on and read not only the Silo books and Beacon 23, but a bunch of other Hugh Howie books. And uh, I just think that her insights and uh, yeah, uh, her perspective is going to be a very interesting take on these uh, political sci-fi novels. That's very cool. Is That's uh, really cool. Uh, that that, uh, that you guys got connected in that way? I think Abby and I follow each other on that other um, real-time uh, messaging right. app, which I'm not going to be naming right now. The Dead Bird. The dead bird. Yeah, there, there you go. go. I like that. The dead bird Love app. Uh, yeah, Abby's, Abby's on the fluffy cloud too. Okay, good. I'm yes. We're I think Which we're moving. To, we can we're moving to the sky. fluffy cloud for sure. <laughs> uh, slowly but surely, we're getting over there. That's great. Okay, awesome. Well, thanks, Abby, and and um, welcome to our podcasting to extended uh, community. All right. Speaking of extended podcasting communities, we have Marilyn Arpequila, our favorite Tolkien scholar and uh, all-around sci-fi fantasy fan. Uh, Marilyn writes in, Hi, David, Alicia, and Jean. Enjoyed your first Loki episode very much. I particularly appreciated Jean's comic book insights and his descriptions of how much he connected to some of the alternate Lokis. I have to confess, I'm not a fan of comic books, but I did guess the connections between all those Lokis and the quote-unquote real world, i.e. there there were different comic book uh, depictions of the character. And hearing Jean's story gave them depth for me. Oh, thank you. That's so awesome. Yeah. We'll make you a fan of comic books, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Marilyn continues, as for the first season, I thought it suffered a bit from the quote-unquote mushy middle. I thought the first two episodes were super and they really drew me into the series, but three, four, and five seemed a bit thin. There 
depictions of the end of the world with ruined cities, etc., just went on too long. And the cloud with eyes wasn't frightening to me. In fact, it looked rather silly. Did you guys, uh, what was your cloud I monster liked, vibes? I liked Elioth. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't think Elioth was, yeah, it, was, it wasn't scary at all. Well, but, yeah, okay, fine. Like the look, <laughs> the look of it, the look of Elioth wasn't scary. But I think that played into the, the series, though. Right, because wasn't it just supposed to be like a guard dog kind of? Uh, yeah, it was, yeah. It, I, I think it played into the whimsy of the of the series. Exactly. Sure. I mean, That's we how also I had classic it. Loki, like Richard right. Grant in his, you know, spandex suit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. And an alligator. Uh, Marilyn continues again. I thought that if I had the comic book introduction, I would feel differently. On the other hand, I love Mobius, as we all do, don't we? Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. I also understand Sylvie's motivation, but geez, talk about a Sabine's choice. Hey, did you notice that their name both start with S? Could be a thing. Yes, I'm joking. <laughs> Sabine from Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, Miss Minutes reminded me of Microsoft Clippy. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> that thing was just the the art, the memes, the pre the proto memes that went around with Clippy before before they took Clippy away are, are just great. You can search for Clippy stuff and there's some I'm really I'm funny a Clippy stuff. apologist. Are you seriously? Oh man. <laughs> Sometimes useful, easy to hide. Okay. Uh, looks like you're trying to produce a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like help with that? <laughs> uh, Microsoft Clippy, who I always found to be incredibly irritating. And then the 5060 vibe of the TVA is scarily nostalgic to me mm. since that's when I was growing up. I had fun looking at all the set decorations uh, along with so many of the cultural Easter eggs. Yeah, this show is a visual feast. And it is. Um, they've, they've really done a good job at the consistency of, of keeping the world um, looking really uh, just visually interesting and, and putting us in the vibe and the, and the tone for, for what they're doing. Alicia, I heard your flirkin and thought it was mine for a minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, my flirkin was uh, meowing at the door a while ago. I don't know mm-hmm. if anybody heard that, but uh, otherwise uh, she'd come and bite the microphone and that, oh, that boy. kind of a problem. I will, Marilyn continues, I'll also say that I liked a full official trailer better than the early short teaser. If I'd only seen the latter, I might have not have tried uh, Loki at all. Okay, that's interesting. That's good. Um, I find the two together an interesting contrast, a good reflection of the two major zeitgeists of the show, goofiness and genuine threat. I like it better when it's real. Looking forward mm. to your episodes. All the best, Marilyn. Thanks, Marilyn. Thanks, Marilyn. Thanks, Marilyn. Uh, looking forward to hearing some more of your reactions after episode one and maybe even episode two. All right. Well, that's the episode. Thanks, guys, for coming in. Uh, some quick programming notes. We mentioned earlier Properly Howard Movie Review. They just put out an episode on The Thing, which was a lot of fun. Uh, if you haven't listened to their podcast, check out Anthony and Steve. Anthony's an academic. Steve's a stand-up comic. They review movies. Right now, they're doing a bunch of remakes. And um, I don't know. Have you guys been checking in on on those guys? I have. What do you think? I, I think they're hilarious. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, and you don't so, have to so watch the movies. The movies yeah. to, to get into it. So, yeah. Yeah. That's that's a big, big hook for it. Uh, I it's think more about their chemistry than, you know, yeah. themselves. Yeah. 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 They have an awesome back and forth. 
the Wicker Man episode was particularly hilarious. Uh, White Men Can't Jump that they had they had done a while ago. That was a lot of fun as well. Robocop was good. I think they're coming up on the end, near the end of their season and they're covering uh, The Sorcerer from 1977. But uh, Alicia, you were just on with Anthony and you guys did, you're doing some crossover. There's some cross pollination happening between your podcast and his. Uh, yeah, well, I guess uh, it might be like a tripod cross pollination. Well, first there's a I little blurb in I an episode it. that came out. Uh, <laughs> they came out like, I think last week, um, it was one of the Theon recap episodes on Electric Bookaloo, which is the Game of Thrones uh-huh. universe, Song of Ice and Fire podcast. And we- That's Anthony's talked- other big mean podcast. Yeah. Where yeah. he's covering all those books. We talked for a few minutes about the friendship between George R. R. Martin and Robert Jordan, the author of the Wheel of Time books. Uh, and that uh-huh. was released, I think, like the same day as the Wheel of Time finale. Um, and But then we had a longer conversation they'll tie into, it seems like uh, some- uh, cross podcast coverage of the new Mike Flanagan Netflix series, uh, the fall of the house of Usher. Um, nice. so Anthony and I on electric bookaloo, we talked about, he's going to release an, a, a two part episode about us talking about the influence of Poe and particularly the story, the fall of the house of Usher on George R. R. Martin in the game of Thrones. And, nice. um, and then, yeah, I think we're going to probably do some coverage on the Lorehounds feed about uh, the fall of the house of usher and also i'm going to do a full episode uh recap and breakdown with my sister is going to be a special guest my best horror friend also from growing up and beyond and we're going to be uh, talking through the full season toward the end of the month and in the meantime i'm going to be releasing as a free extra to um book club members a full reading of the fall of the house of usher story with sound effects and everything Oh, goodness. Wow. Right. You're going full on. That's right. awesome. It's Halloween is my favorite holiday. And uh, Poe okay. is one of my favorite authors growing up. Um, and yeah, so I'm, I'm very excited about this because I know Mike Flanagan. First of all, I've seen the trailers for The Fall of the House of Usher. And to call it an adaptation is a stretch. But I know that it looks way they're 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 using inspiration here, not yeah, adaptation. But right? I know he's going to be pulling from he always pulls from like all the different stories of a particular author. So okay. I know it's gonna nice. be a lot of uh post stuff in there. And, and then, then yeah. Using what is he just using the name kind of as a market share capture so people yeah, understand I mean, that he's using po- Yeah, and he's using like the the two main characters. It's there's three characters in this story and uh two of them are a brother and sister at the center of this family and and that's how they're starting it. But then they added a bunch of different characters and I can already see references to like yeah, it's just several other stories. So we're going to be breaking that down. Um, awesome. And and then in October, sorry, in Abby and I are going to be, as I said, starting with Beacon 23, because in November, Luke and I are going to be covering the new TV show uh, based on the Hugh Howie book on our public Woolship dust feed. Right. What Beacon? Beacon 23. Right. Very cool. Mm. So it's about, it stars Lena Headey, and it's about uh, someone who's stationed at at something called a beacon. It's like a lighthouse in deep space in in the middle of an asteroid field. I'm so glad that you're tracking this, because I have no... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no idea about this show, about about Hugh Howie, about Silo. I might have given it a miss. So it's we're pretty lucky that you uh, in our uh, galaxy to be able to pick these things up. So well, I've got the Howie corner coverage. covered for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. And then speaking of uh, Halloween and spooky stuff on the Discord, we've got a Spooktober sub channel set up, and people are sharing their 
October horror movie and TV show watchings. And uh, are we going to do a, we were going to do something about uh, werewolf by night or something, I think for the MCU or what are we going to do game. there? Okay. Yeah, that's totally, I'm up for that. Definitely. There's I a werewolf by night. Some plans. Well, yeah, it's, it, there's not only like there's the black and white one released last year and they just released a color version of it. Um, right. But it's just, it's really fun to break down just because it's a love light. It's like a love letter to classic horror movies with all these right. uh, little Easter eggs. And there's also a really excellent, uh, not too long documentary called director by night about, um, yeah, the, yeah, it's unlike every other making of Marvel documentary. It's really itself like a, a work of art worth seeing about the Giacchino. Uh, nice. okay. I'm going to say his name yeah. wrong. About the family of the director. <laughs> All right. Uh, for Lorehounds, we've got Loki. We're going to be doing a week by week episode recaps. We are going to be, uh, we're picking back up our Star Wars Film Festival. We got off schedule because of summer madness. And then we had triple show coverage with Foundation, Ahsoka, and Wheel of Time. But we've put all those uh, to bed. Wheel of Time, we're going to do a season wrap up. Alicia, you and I and and John are going to get that done. We've got a return to Earthsea. We're reading the fourth book in the series, Tehanu. And we're going to be releasing an episode with uh, Marilyn on chapters one through six. So we're going to break that book up into into chunks. And so the first part will be uh, one through six. We are going to be, John and I are going to be interviewing Bear McCreary, the music producer and Mm -hmm. guy who wrote uh, the music for Foundation, for Rings of Power, and a whole bunch of other stuff. We had done an interview with David um, Goyer, who's the showrunner for Foundation, and he hooked us up with Bear McCreary, so we're going to be uh, interviewing him. And I'm not sure when that episode's going to be out, but it will be coming before long. And then we'll have a Silmarillion stories. We're going to get back on that track as well. So lots coming from us in October. It's going to be a busy month. As usual, we like to give a shout out to all of our Patreon subscribers uh, again, if you're interested in our Patreon and supporting us, you can check us out at patreon.com slash the lorehounds. We have a basic uh, tier for three bucks a month that you get uh, ad-free access and uh, occasionally early access to our podcast when we get things produced early. We've also got a bunch of other uh, side benefits. We've got some live watch things. We've got a separate channel on the Discord working on a few other uh, benefits as well in the pipeline. Hopefully we'll have some more stuff before too long on Patreon. You can do a seven day free trial. So that's kind of a cool thing. If you just want to check things out as well, you can do annual memberships so you can prepay for the year. Uh, and some folks are using that and that seems to work well for, for some people's, um, budgeting and accounting stuff. So whatever works. And if it doesn't work for you, no big deal. But for our $10 a month Lorehound subscriber, Lorehounds, Lore Masters, apologies, Loremaster subscribers, we always like to give a personal thank you and shout out. And those folks are Samartian, Cyrus, Mark H, Michael G, Michelle E, David W, Brian P, Nick W, SC, Peter OH, Patina W, Adam S, Nancy M, Lavinia T, Duve 71, Brian 8063, Frederick H, Sarah L, Gareth C, Eric F, Matthew M, Sarah M, DJ Miwa, Andra B, Kwang Yu, Laura G, Deadeye Jedi Bob, Nathan T, Alex V, 
Aaron T, Sub-Zero, and Adrian. Thank you all so much for your ongoing support. It helps us keep us in all the different softwares we need and to take care of our co-hosts and contributors. And uh, yeah, it just um, gives us a lot of energy, spiritual energy as well, keeping us uh, producing all the stuff that we're working on. So Alicia, Jean, thanks so very much. And uh, no, we'll see thank you, you next week. This was great. Or is it last week? <laughs> well played. Well played. The Lorehounds podcast is produced and published by The Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all Lorehounds podcasts at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. <laughs>